Ezekiel 25. And give your attention to the reading of the Word of God. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face toward the Ammonites and prophesy against them. Say to the Ammonites, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, because you said, Aha, over my sanctuary when it was profaned, and over the land of Israel when it was made desolate, and over the house of Judah when they went into exile, therefore, behold, I am handing you over to the people of the east for a possession, and they shall set their encampments among you and make their dwellings in your midst. They shall eat your fruit, and they shall drink your milk. I will make Rabbah a pasture for camels and Ammon a fold for flocks. Then you will know that I am the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, because you have clapped your hands and stamped your feet and rejoiced with all the malice within your soul against the land of Israel. Therefore, behold, I have stretched out my hand against you and will hand you over as plunder to the nations. And I will cut you off from the peoples and make you perish out of the countries. I will destroy you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because Moab and Sear said, Behold, the house of Judah is just like all the other nations. Therefore I will lay open the flank of Moab from the cities, from its cities on its frontier, the glory of the country, Jezimoth, Baal, Maon, and Kiriathim, I will give it along with the Ammonites to the people of the east as a possession, that the Ammonites may be remembered no more among the nations. And I will execute judgments upon Moab. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because Edom acted revengefully against the house of Judah, and has grievously offended in taking vengeance on them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against Edom and cut off from it man and beast. And I will make it desolate from Taman even to Dedan. They shall fall by the sword. And I will lay my vengeance upon Edom by the hand of my people Israel and shall do in Edom according to my anger, according to my wrath, and they shall know my vengeance, declares the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines acted revengefully and took vengeance with malice of soul to destroy a never-ending enmity. <clears throat> Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines, and I will cut off the Carathites, and destroy the rest of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes. Then they will know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. Heavenly Father, bless to our understanding this reading of your infallible, inerrant word as well as 
its application to our hearts today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> We live in a culture, as do many people live in a culture, that glorifies vengeance. It is one of the most popular genres in the film industry, in the uh, literary world. Um, everyone loves the tale of, uh, of, of injustice being dealt with. And from a biblical standpoint, we have to be honest about why we enjoy that. There's one sense that we are uh, rightly um, appreciative of justice and, and things that are right. But on the other end, most, most of this literature, most of these films are, are simply wicked. Because the Bible tells us that we're never to take our own revenge. We're to leave room for uh, the justice of God. And as much as we might enjoy that, that tale, we should keep in mind at all times that vengeance, according to the scriptures, is God's prerogative and not ours. The Apostle Paul, who writes in Romans chapter 12, applies this principle to the Christians who were suffering persecution. Suffering persecution from... Uh, their fellow Jews, uh, 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 many of them, also from the Roman authorities, uh, increasingly hostile to the early church. Uh, he writes, never take your own revenge. Do good to your enemies. In so doing, you heap burning coals upon their head. The Apostle Paul was... Someone named Alexander the Coppersmith, we're told in the scriptures, did him much harm. He's, and he says, Alexander the Coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will take care of him. That is how we need to approach it. It's tempting to uh, want to be uh, a vigilante and seek justice. But it's not a course that is given to Christians. We are called to let the Lord sort things out for us. And the scriptures make it plain that he will do it exceedingly abundantly, far beyond what we could think of ourselves. He, he will bring everything evil to justice. The message of the cross is that Jesus executed justice upon himself. God put his wrath upon his son and vindicated his people. And the only way to escape the wrath and justice of God yourself is to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is our the great hope and the great comfort of the gospel. This is why the gospel spread like wildfire uh, in, in perhaps the most anti uh, 
Christian, uh, godless culture in the world known as the Roman Empire, as well as uh, in the first century, the Jewish uh, uh, animosity to those like, like Paul, who at one point was a persecutor of the church himself. And the answer again is the cross. Our text, in our text this morning, the, the prophet Ezekiel had been told uh, in the in the previous uh, chapter that we covered last uh, Sunday night that <clears throat> didn't really make this point, but it, but uh, I'm making it now that his job was to report the truth of what God is going to do uh, to Judah. And remember, you have to remember back to chapter three of Ezekiel. I know it's some of you haven't been for this here for this whole series, but uh, we did speak about chapter three where God made Ezekiel mute. The only time that Ezekiel could speak was when he was given a message from the Word of God. Uh, he's not even given the opportunity to process the grief of losing his precious wife. He's God took her from him. You can only imagine how, how, um, how difficult that was for him personally. The only time his voice was open was when he was told that he was to speak the word of God to Judah. And now he's given voice again. And the word comes to him to speak not to Judah, not to the remnant of Israel, but to the surrounding nations. I am, um, even though I was briefly in the military, I'm directionally challenged, and, um, um, but I think that's east. Is that east? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at if you look at a map of Israel, Jerusalem is in is was the center of the nation of Israel, and so this passage is about God's judgment on the surrounding nations, and and literally as he looks east, he goes and pronounces judgment in succession. Um, uh, first to Ammon, or Ammon, as we pronounce it, which is straight to the east from Jerusalem, and then and then he turns to like a, a, a turning south uh, from the east. I think that's south um, to Moab, then turning a little further. To the west, to south, uh, southwest, to to Edom, and then all the way to the south, to the Philistines, and then as we see next week, Lord willing, all the way around to Lebanon, the surrounding nations of Israel, and he begins with the Ammonites, prophesy against them. <laughs> Who are the Ammonites? The Ammonites um, 
we're told in Genesis 19 are uh, the uh, one of the descendants of the incestuous relationship of Lot with his daughters. Uh, we hear in Genesis 19, if you think you have lurid family things that you don't want told, the Bible exposes the lurid family details of, in the history of the Ammonites. Uh, this incestuous con uh, conception resulted in uh, Am uh, the Ammonites being born. Ammon and uh, uh, Moab being born from, from these horrible, this horrible experience. And they became enemies. The Ammonites became uh, fierce enemies of Israel. When Israel were, was brought back from captivity in Egypt and they were on a path to come around uh, to enter the promised land, who stopped them and sent them back into the wilderness but the Ammonites? So there was a historic hatred here. And we're told that because they rejoiced maliciously over Israel's ruin, they will be destroyed. It's very emphatic language. Because you have spoken, because you have acted, because you have joined in the forces of uh, the Chaldeans to destroy Israel, you will um, be destroyed. But most importantly, because you have said, aha, you have rejoiced. We're glad our enemy is defeated. This is hard. Think about it. The condemnation of Ammon is because they joined in celebration over the defeat of God's people. There's several spiritual principles here that are extremely important for us. One is how much God loves his people. His people Israel. And he told Abraham in um, Genesis chapter 12 that his people who would be the descendants of Israel would be blessed in him and that everyone who blessed Israel would be blessed and everyone who cursed Israel would be cursed. This is why it's so important, I believe, to support uh, ministries that bring the gospel to the Jewish people who have yet to come to faith in Christ. Anti-Semitism rears its ugly head all the time. Just in the past several weeks in popular culture, we have famous celebrities uh, blaming the woes of the world on the Jewish people. Indeed, they, are, they, they may be guilty of many things, but the last thing that we should ever do with the people of Israel is to rejoice over their destruction. See, this is the Ammonites. This is what the Ammonites, this, this is what makes them guilty. We're told in Scripture, and, and, the, and, the, and the personal application is, we are never to rejoice when our enemy stumbles and falls. 
We are never to take our own revenge. And we are to recognize that the only place for revenge is with the Lord. And it is wicked when people take the Lord's place and seek vengeance apart from the hand of God. We're never to rejoice when or gloat over another's defeat. Never take your own revenge, Romans 12 says. Never take your own revenge, but leave room for the vengeance of God. The result of the Ammonites uh, not only rejoicing that the Babylons crushed um, the Jewish people, the result for them will be that they will be crushed by the same people. These people. Babylon indeed historically after it turned its vengeance upon Jerusalem, turned it against the surrounding nations as well. Not only Ammon or Ammon, but Moab will be destroyed because she treated Judah with contempt. She treated the people of God with contempt. Again, the application is we are not to treat the Jewish people with contempt. We are to have the attitude that the Apostle Paul had in Romans uh, chapter 9, verse 3. He says, My heart, they, he, after he talks about their hearts, um, um, he's launches a long passage about how their hearts are hardened about how all the evil things they have done. And uh, he says, I, I wish that I could be accursed in their place. We should have that attitude uh, in, in our dealings. And then he turns to Edom. What is Edom's sin? Because Edom took revenge on Judah. They will suffer uh, devastation. Uh, they will uh, suffer devastation. Who's, who's Edom? Well, Edom is a, is a uh, synonym for Esau. You remember Esau? Jacob and Esau. Esau was raised up as another nation. Again, it's a little, a little further around the dial of the, of the, of the clock, clockwise. Uh, as you look, look to the east. Because Edom took revenge on Judah, they will suffer devastation at the hands of Israel. The grudge that uh, Edom and Esau bore against uh, Jacob is legendary. You remember Jacob uh, tricked Esau out of the birthright. And, and, and Jacob is a synonym for Israel. And God's people. And they never ceased seeking revenge. And it talks about this, this in this, um, uses a strange term in Hebrew, the revenging of revenge. 
this deep-seated uh, desire to get revenge that consumes them in every way. Again, the kingdom principle that is applicable to all of life is that we are never to take our own revenge. This is illustrated even in the Old Testament. If you think about the, the, life, the, the life of David, you think about his conflict, his, his, his year, years-long conflict with Saul. After God raised David up as a shepherd boy, brought him into the court of Saul, uh, Saul began to develop a, a jealousy and a hatred for him, uh, so much so that he finally had to flee for his life into the wilderness. And he finds himself way down in the, in the and actually um, the, uh, across from the area of Moab and Edom, and Gedi wilderness. And, and he's been running from Saul and his army. He's been chasing him and hounding him. And he comes upon him in a cave. And he's able, he's able to find uh, Saul in a vulnerable position. And he can avenge himself of all the things that Saul has done for him. And what does he say? When his soldiers, fellow soldiers... Say to him, why didn't you take, take his life? He says, far be it from me to lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. David knew this principle. God would do justice for him. He was not to take justice into his own hands. Is if you live long enough, you will come to this place in your own life. Perhaps some of you are right there right now. I could tell you from personal experience that God will do justice and He will execute uh, uh, justice far beyond anything you can think of. If you will learn this principle, to put it in His hands. If you will learn what the Apostle Paul learned. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will take care of him. If, if you learn the principle to do good to your enemies, and so doing you will heap burning coals upon their head, you will see that kingdom principle, that reality come true. Because it's God's word applied to life. And it's true no matter what. And finally we see in the south here, we're going to continue around around the clock to Tyre uh, next Sunday uh, morning and evening, uh, which is around Lebanon, <clears throat> as we can go around the clock. But down on the south is the kingdom of the Philistines and the Carathites, which is a suburb of the Philistines. Um, they were the lifelong enemies of Israel that we, we find, find during the reign of Saul and the, the reign of uh, David. Um, and uh, Goliath, the most famous of the, uh, the Philistines uh, in, that, in, in that area, where, where close to where David Zadok has his church, by the way, over in uh, Israel. Um, 
an incredible uh, uh, truth here. The Philist because the Philistines acted revengefully and took vengeance with malice of soul to destroy a never-ending enmity. Therefore, says the Lord God, I will stretch out my hand against the Philistines and I will cut off the Caratites and destroy the rest of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes. And then they will know that I am the Lord and I lay my vengeance on them. We will have tribulation and distress in this life. We will have injustice in this life. We will be from time to time victims of injustice in this life. We are never to take our own vengeance. And it's not merely as individuals, it's as nations as well. These kingdom principles apply to nations as well. There will be uh, in unjust nations. Our, our nation has fought incredible wars over justice issues and it's suffered enormously. And God uh, uses those means to bring about his ultimate glory. The point of God's vengeance, the point of God's judgment, always in every refrain in this passage is that they will know that he is the Lord. God will glorify himself and show who he is. One day, according to the scriptures, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We live in the new covenant. We have seen the wrath of God poured out in the old covenant on the nations, on the nation of, of, of Israel itself, of Judah, of Jerusalem, the city. We've seen that over and over in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, we live in a different time. And it's different like this. The nations are no longer the object of wrath. In the New Testament, they are the object of mercy. How do I know that? I know that because of the Great Commission. When Jesus assembled the twelve to give them a commission, or the, the, the eleven and the, and the other disciples with them, to give them a commission, what did he commission them to do? To go out and destroy the nations? No. He gave them a commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And to make disciples. By baptizing and teaching them everything that God said in his word. God offers the nations mercy. That's why we send missionaries around the world. That's why we support missions. We got we have the the missions committee is planning the upcoming missions conference. That's why um, 
it's essential to the heart of, of what we do as a church is, is to, to support the gospel around the world ministries uh, like uh, David Zadok's over in Israel and like, like uh, Melissa and Terry Rhodes in Amman now doing this work. To offer grace and forgiveness to all who would believe it and turn from certain judgment to life. Do you know Jesus, the King, the King who executes justice? This is this is who Ezekiel prophesies about. He is not sweet Jesus, meek and mild. Well, he is, and at the, but at the same time, he is King Jesus, who rides on a white horse to conquer his enemies. And 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 tells us that's what he's doing until he comes again. He is subduing his enemies. You will be subdued either by bowing your knee and worshiping the king and receiving his grace, or you will be subdued by his perfect justice. Woe to the one who rejects his mercy and his grace. Do not do that. Place your full faith and confidence in him and his righteousness that he has vindicated on the cross that he has vindicated in his resurrection, that he has vindicated in his ascension to the right hand of the Father, where he reigns now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, these difficult passages in Ezekiel that all point to Jesus. Uh, help us to repent of our remaining sin and turn to you. Sanctify us in this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.